and welcome to the Personal Arrogance Podcast, episode number 109. Feeling fine. Brought to you by the Bald Move Network. I'm your host, Jesse Wilson, and with me this week, as always, is... The other host, Eric Walquist. How you doing? I'm doing great, man. I am, uh... I'm literally... I've literally exhausted myself for being excited. Like, I got home from work today, and I'm so excited that I almost fell asleep on the couch. That's um, that's a high level of excitement. What are you so excited about, Eric? Well, I don't know if you know this, Jesse, but a tiny little um, uh, a meetup, if you will, is happening uh, this weekend in Seattle. Uh, me and 70,000 of my closest friends are going to be going to the Penny Arcade Expo. I've never heard of it. Oh, my God. I'm so excited. I'm so excited, too. Aaron Kirkhoff of the Bald Move Network and of uh, the Breaking Good podcast is going to be staying on my couch. Uh-huh. And I'm going to be feeding him a steady supply of beer. Mm-hmm. Like he's a goose set for foie gras. I am going to be <laughs> funneling that beer right down his throat until he uh, is full of Northwest hops. That's exciting. Speaking of Northwest hops. Uh-huh. Know what I did at work today? What'd you do? I made a wet hop beer. Ooh. And be, by I, I mean we, because I actually didn't have, I was doing other stuff. But um, <laughs> I was there for the process. It's pretty so exciting. What's the difference between a, a wet hop beer and a dry hop beer? Well, a wet hop beer, essentially you uh, you boil, boil your wort as normal. So uh, we were brewing a batch of our gold nail. We diverted some of that into a five-gallon kettle, put it on a propane heater, cooked it up for 60 minutes, added our bittering hops. But then um, after the boil was done, we transferred it into another vessel, which had um, over three pounds of freshly picked hops straight off the vine. So after boil, uh, added that to the kettle with the fresh hops right off the vine and then uh, cooled it in that vessel before... Um, transferring it to a fermenter. All right. So how does how is that different from a from a dry hopping process? Well, dry hopping is either during fermentation or after fermentation during conditioning, adding hop pellets or um, dehydrated hop ah. leaves. These are f- right fresh off the vine. Okay. Oh, okay. So you, yeah, that makes you sense. Can, so yeah, they, you can like... only wet hop during harvest season. Oh, they're dewy and chewy. Exactly. Got it. All right. Well, that sounds exciting. That's your beer minute for this week. Yeah. I, I like that. Uh, what were uh, Uncle Scrooge's nephews, Huey, Dewey, Louie? Yeah, Huey, Huey, Dewey, and Louie. And Chewy. I wish <laughs> Chewbacca was there, too. Huey, Dewey, Louie, and Chewy. <laughs> Jeez, Uncle Scrooge. I don't know if that's a good idea. <laughs> Oh man! So since we're talking about beer, why don't we uh, why don't we see what are you drinking this week, Jesse? Yeah, why don't you go first? Uh, I'm just having a Copper Hook Red Hook Copper Hook. Um, delectably delicious. I really like this beer. Uh, I like it in a I like it in a glass. Uh, it's it's from the uh, it's a local product from the Red Hook Brewery up in Woodenville. And uh, you know, Jesse, I know you don't like their bottles, but I find them very ergonomic. Um. Yeah, I'm sure you enjoy their new design. I think they're ergonomic. Okay. All right, what are you drinking? Um, I'm drinking something I've never had before. It's uh, the Kiwanda Cream Ale uh-huh. by Pelican Pub and Brewery out of um, Pacific, Ci- Pacific City, Oregon, All right. USA. Yeah. Um, I, I was intrigued. I've ne- I don't think I've had anything by this brewery, and it's kind of rare to see a... Uh, bottled cream ale oh yeah like that Uh, usually have the marble inside yeah exactly i don't think the conditioning held up very well yeah that's the problem yeah i i think it kind of fell flat as it were and uh might as well just go with the boddingtons honestly well you know i don't i love a cream ale but i will not drink a cream ale from a can or bottle the only way i will drink a cream ale is at a english pub yeah, on want, draft. You got it up on tap. That. Because it, it's a completely different. It's it's one of those beers that's completely different having it on tap than it is having it in a uh, in a bottle or a can. I agree. I don't. I honestly don't know why they even tried. But um, yep. that's not to discourage the entire Pelican series. Um, 
I'm going to try more of them in the future. Just the cream ale, eh. All right, you haven't impressed us yet, Pelicans. You better step up your game. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Okay, so uh, we have a little bit of listener feedback uh, this week, and I wanted to get to this right off the top of the show because it has to do with what we talked about last week. Um, Miss Anitra Jackson uh, went ahead and sent us an email. Uh, she found us through baldmove.com, which is very awesome, and she wanted to write in about the Expendables movie, uh, which we talked about last week, and how it was a surprisingly good movie. Uh, just like everyone else, when I heard about this movie, she writes, it was coming out. I avoided it like the plague, uh, knowing that this is going to be a cheesy movie with a bunch of washed up and forgotten 80s and 90s action stars. But she saw it on Netflix and decided to give it a try and so wanted to rip into this movie, but found herself liking it. A few cheesy moments, but it felt like a little throwback to great action movies grew up with, like Rambo, Commando, Delta Force, and so on. If they do a part three, and I really like this idea, Anitra, she says... Uh, they should do an East versus West action movie star showdown. So you keep all the guys from Expendables 1, and then you have uh, Jackie Chan, like we talked about before, plus like Chow Yun-Fat, Donnie Yen, Sam, o- Sam O'Hung, Andy Lau, Tony Luang, and anyone from a John Woo film. I think that's a great idea. I think that like uh, I think that uh, Jet Li should get like fed up with being the butt of all the jokes, so he goes yeah. and starts his own triad, and then it's like a total battle. I can see that being really popular. I think it's, I think it's a great idea. I love um, kung fu movies. And she also suggested for the West they should add Steven Seagal or Kurt Russell, and I I second both of those. Yeah, Levi today was just commenting on his Facebook that Steven Seagal has been snubbed. Totally snubbed. But if they that should a- be the name of a documentary, Steven Seagal <laughs> has been snubbed. Yeah. All the things that Steven Seagal has been snubbed for. I think it'd be great. If, <laughs> Mostly you know, an Oscar. Yeah. <laughs> I think that uh, I think that if they did the East versus West, they should be like, "Yo, we don't know how to fight these guys. We gotta bring in somebody to train us." And then like, uh, and then Steven Seagal shows up in a cool reveal. Yeah, but I just want to. Yeah, no, that's perfect because yeah. he's always trying to be kung fu guy. Yeah, always trying to be kung fu guy, and then he like teaches him kung fu. <laughs> but it doesn't work at all. They're like, hey, he trained us wrong. <laughs> See, I, I actually I watched The Expendables as well uh, during this week, and oh, uh, I gotta say it was like endearing. It's just an endearing movie, isn't it? Cute. You, I mean, you kind of have to love the characters. Well, I mean, the dialogue is awful, uh, right? But that's if you think about it. If you had like two guys who were leading a mercenary group like that, they would probably be two of the most antisocial, like weird guys. You've totally. ever met, and like th- I feel like that's how they would talk to each other. Like it would all just be like the worst jokes and like the worst put downs all the time, and like just yeah. trying to act macho, but like they yeah. have no personalities. Like that's kind of how I felt about the movie. I agree, and I also like it at the very end, like after uh, uh, who's the, who's the guy who uh, the big blonde guy who who. Oh, what is his Dolph, name? That's not Dolph Lundgren. It is Dolph. It is yeah. Dolph. Okay. After he like tries to kill Jet Li, spoiler alert, at the end of the movie, they're just like, oh, come on. You're you're back in the club. <laughs> I know. I know. It's because <laughs> he was apparently on drugs or something. Right. But if you get clean, apparently your attempted murder yeah. history is Plus forgiven. Plus he completely sold them out to the bad guys as well. Yeah, that so, should have... They should have included him, maybe deleted scenes like him doing his 12-step program and one of them is like asking for forgiveness. Yeah. I'm sorry I sold you out to the bad guys. <laughs> I'm sorry I picked you up and then tried to kill you with a spike. I think it's I think it's great that he also like started that whole car chase uh, that totally like blew up the whole city. And that's fine in like a cop film because like the cops are involved, right? So it's like yeah. a municipal thing. But when it's just like a bunch of dudes with machine guns like blowing up the city, no cops ever get involved and they just like walk away from it. Well, it's a uh, cutting, a cutting commentary on the 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 state of police funding in this nation. <laughs> that's obviously, what, that's what it's really about. It's it's deep. It's a deep movie. I I would recommend it. It is on Netflix, so go out there and watch it. Uh, really want to thank Anitra for. For writing to us, she also uh, wanted to uh, give a shout out to uh, the Downtown Brown by Lost Coast. That's her favorite beer right now. It's up in Eureka, California. I've had that before. It's pretty good beer. That is good stuff. They have that mosaic dude on the front. It's really it's good stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's uh, uh, that's Nitra. She's from Ventura, 
And we thank you so much for writing in. If you want to write in, uh, we'd love to read what you write on our podcast. So please write it to us at personalarrogance at gmail.com. Or you could always just go over to iTunes and rate and review us. We'd also really appreciate that. Uh, you could do that like Diamond Rattler did, and he said we have a solid podcast. Also another bald move uh, listener. So welcome to the full Diamond Rattler. We're happy to have you on board. Yes, very, very excited. So I guess it, uh, it's my dedication this week, isn't it? Correct. Um, well, this week I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to uh, go ahead and dedicate this episode to Aaron Kirkhoff, who's staying at my house this weekend. Super stoked. Uh, I also want to dedicate to the Hex 19 crew, including Yuri, who was on the show a few weeks ago talking about Comic-Con. And I also want to uh, shout out to Bob Ball from Pop Quizzical. Why am I dedicating this episode to all three of these uh, groups of people? Well, that's because... I was just wondering that, Eric. Yeah, it's because we're going to have a trivia showdown with them at PAX. This is awesome. Bob Ball from Pop Quizzical. He's also the voice at the uh, beginning of every episode of Mabim Bam, My Brother, My Brother, and Me. He's going to be... Uh, quizzing personal arrogance versus the hex 19 crew to see who is the trivia master now we already defeated the we already defeated yuri from hex 19 but on on but this this will be on uh neutral ground it is so. neutral ground no home field advantage that's true we're not even choosing we're not even doing tri- trivial pursuit we're going to do a straight up pop quizzical uh trivia and uh, i'm going to see if we get aaron on board so we could do a little bit of a bald move versus hex 19 uh, I love it. We're going to film this, and we're going to put it online, uh, along with a lot of other stuff this weekend, so keep your eyes peeled for our PAX coverage this weekend. But I really want to give a shout-out to Hex19. They have a great podcast, uh, the Hex19 Geekcast, and you can also listen to the Bob Balls Pop Quizical Podcast. That's also on iTunes, and it's a 10-minute podcast, and it's a pop quiz every week. It's really fun. There's no reason not to listen. There's no reason not to listen. What's your problem? Yeah, come on. Get yeah. with the program. Yeah, come on. Bing, bing, boom. You take it too long. You know who should listen the most? Who's that? Matt Roloff. Matt Roloff should listen. Because uh, if if anybody needs trivia chops, <laughs> I don't know. I don't, I, I'm trying to do a segue here, but it is time for a little tiny Matt Roloff. <laughs> Sorry, I kind of threw you under the bus with that one. It's okay. We tried. Uh, uh, so we're going to roll a 20-sided die to see who gets to speak first uh, on this podcast. And here we go. I rolled a 19, Eric. Oh, I rolled a 13. Lucky number, but not so lucky today. Yeah. So um, for my first topic, I'm going to do something that's unprecedented in personal arrogance history. Mm-hmm. I'm going to talk about a film for the second week in a row. Holy shit. But I'm not talking about The Expendables um, sequel. I'm talking about a little tiny piece of science fiction that uh-huh. I watched. Okay. And that was The Hunger Games. Oh, I watched this too. Good. I totally watched uh, this this week. So, uh, I, me, me and my lady, uh-huh. uh, we went to the, the Red Box movie rental kiosk, Word you up. know, as, as you do. Yep. And uh, she wanted to watch Hunger Games. And I was thinking, oh, geez, this is going to be a chore. <laughs> so that's kind of the attitude that I went into it with. Right. And I really enjoyed this film. All right. Well, I, well, I have. What little, was your takeaway? I have a little bit of a different perspective on it because uh, Lydia was reading the. She read the book last year. Yeah, so did my my lady. And both her and my conclusion was that the book is not written at the highest grade level. Right. It's and, young adult fiction. But it's pretty poorly written. And, is it? Yeah. Did you read it? I read excerpts. Okay. I've read more than one page of it. Uh, which makes you an expert it makes me an expert Uh, so so we were going into that and there are some weird things in the story that are kind of like come on but overall I feel like it was pulled off in a very visual visually uh, good way and you know you gotta love uh, you gotta love the portrayal of Katniss uh, from Jennifer what's her name Jennifer something Uh, she did a great job yeah Um, what I liked about this movie I feel like um, the characters, the two main characters, I feel like they weren't very cliche. I, I feel like, and maybe it was kind of like a gender role swap, but at least, mm-hmm. um, you know, the traditional uh, archetypes of like the hero, the male hero and the, you know, the dainty lady were 
kind of kind of flipped in this one, and I found that kind of refreshing. What did you think? Well, I felt it was good. Um, I I feel like uh, Katniss, who's played by Jennifer Lawrence, I just looked it up. Uh, her character is really good because I feel like while other people from her district were not as uh, relatable, she mm-hmm. like was a straight up badass, and like she was someone who. Like in The Walking Dead, for example, would be able to survive no problem. You know, I agree. And, she was she, a real badass. Yeah, and she had some personality issues, uh, but it's because she has to like support her entire family. This is like she has to go out and kill squirrels, or else they all starve to death. Yeah, and that was a pretty good story device to explain why she would actually be pretty capable in this yeah. scenario. Although the knife throwing girl, not not really understanding that one. I know, and this is a, kind of a problem I had with it, is yeah. those kids from the rich districts, they yeah. were fucking psychopaths. <laughs> they were, like, insane, like, Jeffrey Dahmer-level yeah. personality disorder, complete psychopaths. But at the same time, that fits the mold, because they had volunteered to be part of the the thing so that they could become rich. Yeah, they were kind of like trained killers, I guess. Yeah. So they're but. trained killers their entire life. But that the knife girl was the one who really bothered me. Yeah, because she was like really ridiculously good at knife throwing. <laughs> like she made Jason Statham in The Expendables look like a total amateur. That's I actually thought that too because uh, when they have the little targets, like she uh-huh. hits the exact middle of the target every single time. Well, she actually had the same type of knives as Jason Statham's character. <laughs> like, the long knives with, like, the hook for the end of it, with no, like, wrap around the handle or anything, just, like, one piece of steel. Yeah. It was, like, the exact same make and model. It's... <laughs> that's hilarious. They're probably the same prop. Same prop master. They're probably the same person. <laughs> that, that explains the raspy voice in the receding hairline. Yeah, but uh, anyway, like I, I was expecting this movie to be kind of like a melodramatic teen romance, whatever. Right. But it, in my opinion, it was just some good dystopian sci-fi. I thought it was pretty good, and I also like how the movie split up into two parts, like two distinct parts. And the entire lead up of the movie is going, you know, it's all leading up to this Hunger Games competition where all these kids go in, and only one can come out. Uh. Brutal but, premise, by the way. Yeah, really brutal Absolutely premise. Absolutely brutal. Yeah. Uh, I, I Like, it honestly doesn't feel like a PG-13 movie to me. I know. It, it is. A, it cre- the, and, uh, I'll, talk about, I'll talk about the psychopath thing a little later, but I want to get to... The, the whole first half of the movie is like a really interesting uh, reveal of like this world that everyone lives in, like this dystopian right. society. And then the games start, and you're like, oh shit, the games are starting. And then, you know, that's the rest of the movie. But, like, it's two two really distinct parts. Yeah, like, I, I get the idea that in Mockingjay and the third one, they kind of go more into the world. Yeah, well, that makes sense. But I really liked how it was, like, kind of two distinct parts. Because once, you know, once the game starts, then you're like, oh, shit, shit's getting real. Yeah, it got real really fast. Yeah, too. like the little redhead kid. Uh-huh. He gets straight up. Passed. Yeah. And actually, like, the just the pacing of the film was really good because, like, mm-hmm. it, it, it gets kind of light right before, like, before the games, leading up to the games, after yeah. they're selected, you know. And then it gets to the point where in, they're in that room and there's the countdown from 30 seconds. Yeah. And I was getting, like, I was getting tense. I know. And the, it's antsy. And, and then they show up on the field and everyone's staring each other down. I was like, this would be the scariest possible yeah. moment of your life oh totally that's I, I felt the exact same way i'd be like terrified it was pretty cool <laughs> yeah i thought it was i thought it was you know i thought it was pulled off pretty well i thought there were some really laughable moments in it right uh there were some like what's going on moments i had a couple of those too like were the dogs real well that's what lydia was asking because she's like i didn't realize reading the book that it was all virtual reality i'm like it's not virtual reality it's in a dome but then it it actually like is virtual reality. Wait, it's, what? Because if I don't think those dogs were real, like they're just popping up out of nowhere, right? Yeah. I, so it's I like mean, they're it in like some kind of matrix thing, except they don't have to plug in. Like they're like in this dome, and they could just digitally make things happen. But like they have, they can like digitally make water happen, but it's real water. Or they can digitally make fire happen, but it's real fire. See, I feel. 
my takeaway was that it was in a dome, but all the terrain was real. Yeah, but what about the dogs and stuff? I don't know. I, then, the dogs weren't like, explained very well. Yeah, and then they're like, let's drop a tree, and then like a tree falls right in front of her. But it's possible that they, I mean, they have like cameras and everything, you know. Maybe they have the trees rigged up that any tree, they can press a button and it will like trigger a little device and it will fall in any direction 360 that they choose. Yeah, but then that lady makes those dogs. She like makes well, them and then the guy's like, that's good. Let's put those in. Maybe every uh, five feet they have a dog buried. <laughs> and they can press a button, and the dog is unburied. Well, see, the interesting thing is in the book, uh, this is something that differed from the book. In the book, the dogs all have the faces of the murdered people in it. Yeah, so they had... All of the oh. fallen people, like, basically get turned into those dogs. I noticed that they had human faces. Yeah, they didn't do it exactly true to the book, but in the book, like... Like Katniss can tell that all of the dogs are like the fallen uh, people from the Hunger Games. Well, that's pretty interesting. Yeah. How about that guy from District Ten? Which one is he? The, the the giant black man. Oh yeah, dude. He was my favorite. He was my favorite too when he saved her. Yeah. Yeah. I, w- I was bummed. <laughs> I was bummed too when he died. Spoiler. Well, you know, but he was a, he was like a good guy, so Katniss couldn't kill him, so he had to die some other way. But actually, if the if the if the psycho dude would have killed him, then it would have been more, you know, drama there. Yeah, I heard in the books they explain that he's like way more of a badass, uh-huh. and all all the other kids were too afraid to screw with him, so that's why he survived so long. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, I also yeah because. Yeah, the whole thing is, like, really weird. Like, when they were walking through the forest, and they're, like, laughing and giggling. And then they, like, find her, and then they're like, let's murder her! <laughs> I know! They, yeah, they, they're like, psychopaths! They are psychopaths! They're, like, then they find her in the river, and then they're like, let's go kill her! Like, it's so weird! Yeah, maybe the Hunger Games is a good place for those people, because they were obviously going to become serial killers oh, anyway. Man. yeah. Yeah, just clean them out early, I guess. I don't <gasps> know, man. That was a. Uh, it was an intense movie, like you said. Like when they popped up there, uh, on that field, that was a really intense moment. Yeah, no, it was super intense. I think, like, <clears throat> I'm. I was thinking before I talked to you about this. I was actually thinking about reading the book because mm-hmm. I feel. I feel like you could read it in like two days. Yeah, but um, apparently it's I, really poorly written though. I think, yeah, well, I don't know then. But um, I think it would be a good piece of, like, sci- intro sci-fi for a young adult. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to ask you, what were some of the uh, more important pieces of science fiction, either literature or movies, that really got you into the genre as a young adult? Well, obviously Star Wars, although some people will say Star Wars is fantasy. but Well, it is fantasy. But it's it's sci-fi fantasy. Yeah, it's, it's whatever. <laughs> yeah. Um, but also, I mean, probably the biggest literary influence on science fiction and doing it in a way that is very, um, doing it in a way that's very approachable, uh, that'd be Kurt Vonnegut. Because when I was in high school, I read like a bunch of Kurt Vonnegut stuff. And it's all like kind of twinged with science fiction. You know, there's aliens and stuff in it, but it's all very satirical and it also has a social political message. So mm-hmm. I'd say Kurt Vonnegut was probably a big influence there. Yeah, when when I was thinking about this question and how it applies to me, I definitely, like, Cat's Cradle was the first one that came to mind. Yeah, it's my, still my favorite book. Oh, really? Yeah. That's I, awesome. I, I just love it. I think it, there's so many great things in that book. Like, there's studies of religion and politics and, uh, you know, how science can run away because, you know, as in... It was written in the nuclear area era, and and I I just love so many so many parts of that book. Yeah, you're the one that got me to read that. Yeah, it's a good one. Other ones for me were um, 1984, of co- of course, right. with like the dystopian. And I actually now that I'm thinking about it, another uh, point on Hunger Games because like I went into it much like um, listener. Uh, I'm blanking on the name right now. Anitra. Anitra yeah. went into um, Expendables. I wanted to hate it, you know? Uh-huh. And I was like, ah, oh, this is so absurd. This would never happen. And I was like, actually, I'm just going to think about the Coliseum for a second. Oh, yeah, this could totally yeah, happen. Yeah, totally happen. <laughs> yeah, and that's, you know, that's the other thing, too, is uh, I 
people are going to, you know, this might date me a little bit, but I was 14 when this movie came out. The Matrix had a huge influence on me in terms right. of sci-fi. When I saw that movie, yeah, I thought about too. it for like 12 days in a row. Like, I was really enthralled with that movie when I first saw it. Yeah, I remember my uncle and cousin came over to my parents' house. I was a young buck, obviously, uh-huh. then, too. And he brought this movie. He's like, this is going to change your perception of reality. And it totally blew me away. Oh, yeah, blew my mind. That was awesome. All right, well, another. Oh, oh yeah. Sorry, keep going. Uh, Firefly, obviously. Oh, yeah, Firefly. But really, Firefly is like Han Solo. Yeah. <laughs> Well, that that's the last item on my list was the Han Solo novels that oh, yeah, I read yeah. when I was, I was in like, fifth today. grade. I was thinking about that today, about how Han Solo learned the Wookiee language because he had this uh, matronly Wookiee that helped raise him. <laughs> that, was, that was from the Han Solo novels. Yeah, those novels actually kind of whack in retrospect. Yeah, I also uh, I also really got into Tales from the Mos Eisley Cantina uh-huh, and the too. Bounty Hunter. Uh, the Bounty books. Hunter one. Really good. The Bounty Hunter book is great. That one was way better. The IG-88 story is yes, awesome. Absolutely. Yeah, it's good stuff. Jesse, I love how we keep finding ways that we things that we have in common. Yeah, in case anyone was wondering, <laughs> I had no idea that Eric read that book before tonight. Jesus. <laughs> anyway. I, guess, I guess that explains a lot. Well, uh, I'm going to move on. We're running a little long, but I think that I think that it's important to, to revisit your roots. Speaking of revisiting your roots... Uh, you know, I PAX is this weekend. If anybody right. doesn't know, and uh, this these past couple of weeks we've been doing a run up. We talked about video games a couple of weeks ago. Last week we talked about panels. This week I just want to give. We have twenty three combined PAXs of PAX experience, Jesse, you and I. Um, so we yeah, that's a lot. <laughs> we, I know this is my tenth PAX, which means at the end of this PAX I will have spent an entire month of my life at PAX, which is pretty awesome. <laughs> It's pretty incredible. Uh, that is, man, to just like time travel and just relive those yeah. over and over. <laughs> just like in a road, a marathon through yeah. it. How cool would that be? That's my heaven. That's my sci-fi story. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I just want to run through some things. You know, we are, I would say we're PAX experts. I'm not going to be modest on this one. I'm going to say we're PAX experts. And I'm going to, I just want to run through some things for people who might be going to PAX. What you need to know for PAX 2012 to have the best experience. So I'm going to run yeah. through a couple of things, and you can help me out on these, Jesse. So where is the best place to rest, to take a break? Oh, you know, the second floor. Second floor is great. That's where all the, the sumo den. Are. Yeah, and then the, yeah, and then you got to kind of go around the corner, and you have the love sack. Place. Yeah, exactly, the love, the love sack. Yeah, and those things are gross, Level but you know promenade. what? When you're drunk and you're tired, they're very inviting. Well, I'm a big fan of um, just going to one of the late night movies and lying down over five chairs. Yeah, that's good too. That's another thing. You know, there are the movies every night. Um, yeah. Also, if you go to if you go uh, to the ground floor and you go all the way to the back, there's this little weird. It's is that an Italian restaurant? Oh, slash right. bar. We never go there. We went there one year because they're yeah, playing Animal we Planet. We went there once. And the, <laughs> that's right. The beers are ridiculously overpriced. But it is very quiet in there, and like I said, they have Animal Planet. So if you need a little break... It's, can... it's like in the PAX Rain Shadow. Yeah, totally. You can go there and sit down at the bar and not even know you're in the convention center. Exactly. It's very bizarre. It is, it is but then again, it's not that bizarre. It's a bizarre bar. Uh, so where's, where, speaking of that, where's the best place to drink? Uh, you mean in the convention, convention center? No, just at PAX. Oh, you know it's Vons. Come oh, you on. know it's Vons. It's Vons, baby. Go to Vons. Two forty nine. Or how much are the martinis? They're like three dollars. Well, it depends if the, if they spin the wheel. They do. Spin no, the no, wheel. no. They have a constant price on martinis. Yeah, though. they're they're cheap. I think they're like four bucks. But then you, they think they spin the wheel, and if they hit on the wheel, then they go down to two fifty. Yeah, it's weird. It's basically like a cool TGI Fridays. Yeah, it's you know like authentic. Saying? Yeah, it's like an authentic TG. It's like what TGA Fridays is trying to capture. <laughs> like, that's what Vaughn's really is. Yeah. Like, they have street signs and weird things hanging from the ceiling, and there's a wheel. But it's cool, man. And like I said, personal <laughs> pictures of, of uh, Arrogant Bastard. That's your personal Arrogant. You can have that there. It's delicious. Yeah, I, it's, I also recommend. It's $12 now. Oh, it is $12 now. But I, I recommend also uh, a drink that I I just want to say real quick 619 mm-hmm. Pine Street. 
Okay, six nineteen Pine Street. It's two blocks away. Between six and seventh on Pine. Right. Um, I just want to say that you can get the a drink that I that I invented there, and it's half uh, arrogant bastard and half rogue dead guy ale. I call it the dead, dead bastard. bastard. The dead bastard. It's delicious. Um, uh-huh. So, so Jesse, where's the best place to party? Uh, well, honestly, probably uh, either your apartment mm-hmm. <laughs> or, you know, it depends on your definition of party, but right. the board game key, uh, level. Yeah, keep going back to the board game, man. I feel like this is just something that we need to, maybe we shouldn't promote it, but the board game level is definitely like, we spend a lot of time there. It's a refuge. Yeah. It's a safe haven. It's a refuge from the madness. You can still make friends down there because people will walk by and wonder what you're playing, maybe stop mm-hmm. by. But People are on a different wavelength down there. Yeah. it's just It gets away from the pulse-pounding uh, neon hurricane that is the convention hall. And the enforcers are definitely nicer. Definitely way nicer. Um, the the utilicilt is, is definitely in less of a swing. I think on the board but game floor. Definitely still making an impact. Yes. Uh, <laughs> where's the best place to meet people? I think that's the board game floor as well. I agree. Yeah. How, so Jesse, how do you get? And we have a little bit of experience with this. How do you get swag? I know this is a question that keeps popping up on Reddit. And we one year we did Swag Fest, and I feel like we were really successful. Yeah. Well, Swag Fest got a little out of hand. Yes, it did. Now, now I focus on the swag you want. Yeah, just the utility swag. Yes, something you're actually gonna not immediately throw away. Mm-hmm. Is because you know you can get all the plastic stuff, the the crappy t-shirts. I, I like pins. Yeah, you get too many t-shirts. I give those straight to Goodwill. Yep. Unless you're gonna actually take it home and want to wear it in public, then um then I don't even think it's worth getting. But I'm actually betraying my own rule because one <laughs> of my favorite pieces of swag, that's why I hesitated as I yeah. said that last sentence. Uh, my favorite piece of swag from last uh, PAX in Boston was the uh, War of the Roses tunic, uh-huh. which is just fantastic. <laughs> Do you still have it? I have it? a tunic. Do you still have it? I have two. Yeah, I think the best pack, the best pack swag I've ever gotten was the Diner Dash apron. I still use that thing. Oh shit! Did you lose your Diner Dash apron? I don't know where it is. Oh my god, it better oh, be man. in my storage. Dude, the Diner Dash apron was legit. I would be so bummed if I lost that. Oh god! All right, and uh, so the, so basically, I, I think if you want to get swag, scope it out. If it if it applies to a certain game, go to that game's uh, panel. Uh huh. And uh, they usually give out the swag at the panels to everybody. Well, here's the thing, Eric. What? I think your opinion might be slightly skewed. Mm-hmm. Because they are big fans, um, they being uh, the people running the booze or whatever, yep. of assembling a mass in front of their booth and then throwing stuff. Right. And I think you have an unfair advantage. I definitely do. Because you're 7 8. Let me let me just t- let me give you this statistic, okay? You, you play, have caught eight garters. You, you play exactly. You play the numbers on the back of your card. I have participated in four, four wedding garter tosses. Caught three of them. One of them was <laughs> stolen from my hand by the ring bearer. <laughs> That's a track record you can't fuck with, okay? I will Eric. grab shit out of the air like a goddamn something that grabs shit. <laughs> Quick tangent. I went to a I went to a wedding two weekends ago, uh-huh. and I got super competitive for the uh, for the garter toss, and I barely missed it. I was bummed because I wanted to rub it in your face. Yeah, Jesse, remember at uh, Jordy's wedding when you cut the garter? Yeah, remember who wasn't in that garter toss? <laughs> Me. You <laughs> sat that one out because I wanted to make you feel good. Oh, is that what happened? Yeah, that's, that's what happened, man. Sure, sure. <laughs> Anyway, moving ahead. <laughs> All right. Well, that's that's about it. But I do think if you want to get swag, also a great time to do it is the last thing on Sunday. They're usually oh, yeah. just pushing that stuff out the door. So if you really want it, either go to the panel of the game you want or go on Sunday afternoon. Yeah, um, they don't want to go home with that. Right. <laughs> Neither do you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, so it's time to do a little bit of trivia. 
Uh, I'm going to go ahead and roll six-sided die to see which Trivial Pursuit Genus 1 category we will be talking about this week. Yes, it's one, Jesse. Oh, this is good. It's geography. This is one of my faves. Okay, Jesse, this question is for you. Please play along at home. What country administers Greenland? What country administers Greenland? Oh, I'm going to get burned here, but is it Denmark? God, I think it is Denmark. I'm going to say Finland. It's Denmark. You got it, man. Yeah, baby. All right. This question's for me. What nationality says spasibo for thank you? It's racist. Spasibo. <laughs> spasibo. I'm trying to figure out how to say it. Spasibo. Uh, I'm going to say, I'm going to say Vietnamese. Eric. What? You've heard me say it a hundred times. It's Spasiba and it's Russian. Ah, damn it. Ah, you got it. I've heard you say it. I just didn't know what you were talking. I thought it was some kind of reference. <laughs> no. I guess it's a reference to the Russian language. Okay. Uh, Jesse, this one's for you. Where is Darjeeling tea grown? India. I'm going to say Kashmir. India is the correct answer. Jesse, you're sweeping it. Could I sweep it? All right. This is it. This is for the not sweep. Uh, <laughs> what two bodies of water does the Suez Canal connect? And I believe that would be the Mediterranean Sea and the Arabian Sea. I'm going to say Mediterranean Sea and Red Sea. God damn it. Is it a sweep? You got it. It's a sweep! Damn it! It's a sweep! I win everything and I swept (laughs) trivia. Oh, this is the proudest moment of my life. You literally won everything. This is the proudest moment of my life. (laughs) Those are real claps, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) Not even faking. All right, Jesse, you win everything. Why don't you keep talking? Okay, well, um, I'm going to come from this high and go into uh, my favorite topic. Yep. Uh, listeners, give me some feedback. Maybe it's time to retire it, but I'm, <laughs> I'm a fan of... Is it worse than a punch in the face? Is it worse than a punch in the face? All right, Eric. So uh, my first my first quandary for new listeners, um, I, I come up with scenarios, many of them plucked from my real life and ask Eric whether or not it's worse than a punch in the face. Right. So, f- the first situation. Okay. Eric, um, I had my I had my birthday recently, and right. my happy birthday by the way. Expired. Thank ha- you. Happy birthday. Uh, yeah. Well, um, <laughs> driver's license expired, right? Yep. So, um, I look online for the hours of uh, registration uh, DOL to figure out how to renew it. Right. And it, it says to go down to the Jefferson County Courthouse at 8.30. That's when they open. So I get up early and I go down there. At 8.30, I walk through the doors and they say, you're at the wrong place. Yeah, you got to do the Department of Licensing. Right. I, I goofed. But you this goofed is it. what the internet told me. And the lady says, you're at the wrong place. You need to go across town. Right. Up and, by the Goodwill. Uh, Over by the Goodwill. Yeah. How do you know that? I got my license renewed there. Well, anyway, well, so I <laughs> I go over by the Goodwill, uh-huh. right? Now it's like 8.42. Okay. And um, I get out of my car. They don't open till 10 a.m. <laughs> I have to go to work. Their hours are 10 to 5, and they're closed from 12.30 to 1.30. That's hilarious. <laughs> I have a job, people. It's because one guy works there. <laughs> Apparently. But you do realize that, like, there's no... This is why I got my license renewed there and not in Seattle is because there's no line. Like, I walked in and got my license renewed in, like, eight minutes. I know, but that's no good for me if... I I work those out. Those are the hours I work. I understand that, Jesse, but you it's pretty close to your work. You could drive up on your lunch break. No, I can't because my license expired. <laughs> I oh got. I, uh, I mean, you work for the government. You have a pension. You have a good salary. You have benefits. 
You should have to work Saturdays. I'm sorry. Well, it's or, not open on Saturdays? No, it's not on Saturdays. Oh, that's a bummer. Uh, I know, right? Well, so, Eric, is that better or worse than a punch in the face? Is not being able to read the internet worse than a punch in the face? Is that what you're asking? The, the internet is vague. <laughs> the internet is vague and unreliable. Uh, I'm going to say it's not worse than a punch. It's, in your case, it is probably worse than a punch in the face. In that, in that specific circumstance, I'm going to go with yes. Okay, thank you. Okay. Validated. So, um, the next one. Um, this may or may not have happened to you, but, uh, I rode my bike into work today. Surprise, surprise! Can't drive my car, no license. Right. So, ride my bike into work. It's a nice day, sunny. Way to be a a good citizen, by the way. Thank you. Yeah. Little, little chilly. Yeah. And then, um... By around um, 4.30 p.m., the weather starts making a turn for the worst. Okay. And I just have a light sweatshirt and a pair of shorts, and I have to bike my butt home in rain and freezing wind. Better or worse than a punch in the face. Well, I you know, I got a bike this summer. I haven't had to ride it in the rain yet, but I do hear it's, it's akin to being born. <laughs> like, it's the type of thing that your, your mind blocks out for years because it's so terrible. So yeah, I, here's I'm, the worst. The yeah. worst part is that uh, you get cold, right? Yep. And you're like, okay, I'm gonna warm up by going faster and getting my muscles going and getting the blood flowing, and that's gonna warm me up. But the faster you go, the more wind you get at you. <laughs> so it's a total catch twenty-two. Yeah, that's rough, man. I'm gonna say that's worse than a punch in the face as well. Okay, number three. Yeah. Uh, not not. I'm not just complaining about my day here anymore. Okay. So, so I was watching one of those crime uh, shows where they reenact it with the actors, you know? Yeah. And um, this is a major gripe I have when they show the picture of the actual uh, criminal. Okay. And, and he's like a gross-looking guy. And yeah. then the actor inexplicab- inexplicably is good-looking. <laughs> I don't think that's fair to the victim. That's true. But the Especially victims are on- usually better looking in the reenactments as well. That's true, but that's fair. The victims, <laughs> that's okay for them. Okay. But that's I think point. the criminal should be either as ugly or uglier. Probably uglier. So is are, are good-looking uh, criminals in uh, these dramas, is that better or worse than a punch in the face? Definitely worse. Okay, I got one last one. Okay. One last one. And uh, it's ironic since we dedicated the episode to them, but Hex 19? Yeah. If you listen to episode 48, Salad Rant, uh-huh. and you listen through the end credit music, they came up with a diabolical plot to steal our fans. Oh, really? They, yeah, their, their plan is to uh, throw a phony personal arrogance fan meetup during PAX. And steal our fans. I think there's only one thing we can do, Jesse. What's that? Crash it. (laughs) I love it. I love it. I'm going to be on those guys like glue the entire weekend. We're going to crash your fake personal arrogance (laughs) fan meetup next 19. Mark my words, you sinister poutine-eating, puck-pushing hosers. Oh man, I did think it was funny today. I was I was uh, having a, a beer with my coworkers after work, and this is in like downtown Seattle. And on the coasters, it's had this these coasters that said like "Work in Northern Alberta," <laughs> and I was like, "What?" No. Like the same day that the Hex Nineteen guys come down from about as far north in Alberta as you want to go. <laughs> These, it's like, part coast- of their diabolical it plan. They're, they're carpeting the city. They're trying to get you and me to pick up a job in northern Alberta. <laughs> They'll come here, pose as us, oh, no. like skinwalkers, and switcheroo. steal our fan base. It's the switcheroo, man. Uh, worse anyway. than a punch in the face. All right. Worse Saying than a punch now. in the face all around this week. Yeah. Uh, and by the way, Jesse, I don't know if you know this, but you can renew your license online. I don't think I can because it's expired. Yeah. If I was smart, I would have done that. <laughs> but, <laughs> but they sent makes... it to the address of your old license? 
And oh, they also that put your work old, at all. They also put your old picture on there, and I've seen your driver's license picture. I know. You, I'm very happy. You look like Edward Norton as a Muppet baby. <laughs> true. You do. All right, let's move on. All right. All right. Well, uh, aside from uh, stealing other people's podcasts, there are some other things to do at PAX. We talked about this a little bit uh, in the previous one, but I want to go over our favorite part of PAX. Probably, you know, probably our favorite part of PAX, and that's playing some board games. Oh, man. I'm so stoked. There's a couple of things. So I was on the PAX, uh, I was on the PAX website, PAXsite.com, and. I noticed that Fantasy Flight was part was one of the sponsors of PAX 2012, but once <laughs> once I looked at the map of the Expo Hall, I, they were nowhere to be found. It's weird; they don't have a very large presence at PAX. Prime. Well, I was like WTF, right? So I email Ooh, the Fantasy Flight guys, doing a little investigative journalism. Exactly, exactly. I like it. And guess what? They're not going to be on the PAX floor. They're going to have their own room on the second yeah, floor. Yeah, baby. Fantasy Flight Games, the greatest publisher in games. I know, agree. They're great. They're going to have their own room. This is awesome. And they have a few things that are really cool. They have the new X-Wing uh, tabletop game, which I really want to try. Oh, my God. I want to try that. Yeah. They also have the rights to Star Wars RPGs. So they rewrote the Star Wars pen and paper RPG, and they're going to have the beta there. We got to sign up for that. We have to. Yeah. And, That'll be so fun. And I don't know if they're going to have this at the at the con. I guess I need to do a little more investigative journalism. But uh, they just announced an expansion to the Blood Bowl Team Manager uh, card game. Fuck yeah! Yeah. Oh, I'm so stoked. So that's awesome. If you I can... hope that they have a box of Kleenex. <laughs> God. That should be in the slag bag. <laughs> Too much information. Uh, and then another thing, just to, just to highlight, uh, you know, we talked about passing out at the late night movies. They're going to be showing a documentary, um, called Going Cardboard, which is a board game documentary. That's going to be, uh, I believe it's on Saturday night at 1030. Uh, yeah, Saturday night at, Saturday night at 11, they're going to have Going Cardboard, a board game journey. I want to check this out. It's, it's a documentary I've been wanting to see for a while. So maybe if we're drunk, we can stumble in there on Saturday Uh. night. I think that's almost certainly going to happen. Okay. Uh, but, but I Jesse, uh, if people are coming to PAX and maybe they don't play a lot of board games, what are some board games they should play? Because they literally have, like, every board game you want. You can just check out and play. <sighs> that's a really good question. So they play, you know, what? You know people I have think... played Catan, you know, they've yeah. done that. They've played Munchkin. What are some games that they need to branch out with? Zuloretto. Oh, Zuloretto for sure. Easy to learn, yeah. fun to play. Yeah, super fun to play, super easy to learn. Very simple rule set, but very deep. Yeah. Uh, really fun complexity. game mechanic. Plus baby um, animals. Blockus 2 player. Oh, yeah. If they have Blockus 2 player, play that. Or Cathedral in a pinch. Yeah, Blockus 2 player is a game you can literally learn in two minutes. Yeah. And it has three great. rules. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. And then um, my final one, if you have a larger group of friends and you're getting a little, you want to branch out into something, you know, maybe you've played the basics and you want to go a little bit bigger. Yep. Um, Citadels. Oh, definitely Citadels. I think that would be really good for a group of mm-hmm. inexperienced gamers. The rules are pretty easy. I feel like the first time we played Citadel, oh no, we played that at, we played that at Jordy's for the first time as a big group. Yeah. Yeah, but we, we played it at PAX with eight people before. We need to bring that this year. Definitely. Uh, That's a great line game. Super great line game. Great line game. Great two-player uh, game, too. Oh, I love the two-player version. You can play from two to, game. two to eight players. Yeah. It's a great game. So that'd be a great one to check out. Yeah. Also, Did you have any suggestions? Arkham? Well, well of course Arkham, but I think if you're going to play Arkham, you need to play with somebody who's played before. It's going to be Yeah, you need a DM. Yeah, you need a DM. Something that's some, you know, it's going to be a lot better experience. I kind of want to play it. Um, I know that the guys from the uh, from the Weekly Blend podcast are interested in doing a game, so I don't know. We might we might we might go through some Arkham this weekend if we can if we can find enough p- people and we're in the mood. Um, yeah. Also, a fantasy flight game, by the way. Uh, but of course, you know Puerto Rico is good. It's a little tough to learn. That one's also one that you probably need a DM yeah. in order to you need a DM 
in order to play it correctly, but it's a good one. I won one. my first game of Puerto Rico at PAX East last year. Congratulations. Thank you. Um, you know, I think you could sit down, you could pick up Power Grid and play through that. I know you're not a huge Power Grid guy, but I like it. Yeah. Uh, it's got an auction mechanic, which Jesse hates auction mechanics. Or play modern art. Yeah. It's an entirely... Uh, Auction-based game. Auction-based game. Yeah. Uh, I think that's about it. Um, yeah, I really like Zularetta. I'm giving that one a second. Also, uh, Small World. It has a lot of small pieces. And I'm, I kind of think that if you check it out at PAX, it's probably going to be missing some pieces. Yeah, Perhaps. Small World's such a great game, though. Also, Bang is good. Oh, yeah, that's a great PAX game. Bang is a great late-night game if you're looking for something to do. And that's the thing about PAX is, like, stay late, guys. If you're going, Ooh. I'm pretty sure the Expos Hall is open until, like, 2 or 3 a.m. Just it's, stay there all night. It's pretty cool. No, not the Expo Hall. No, not the Expo Hall, but the actual convention center. Yeah, I plan on staying till 2 every night. Yeah. And, like, uh, you know, back in the day, uh, they were used to be open 24 hours, right? Only for the first packs. Only for the first packs. The the original one, which I didn't go to. James Jimbo Andrews, the film maker yes. of our um, trivia meetup, right. went to that one. That is crazy. I know. I feel like a original packs badge would be worth some coin. Possibly that, or at least some cred. At least some cred. At least some karma. Yeah. Read it. Some PAX karma. Um, but yeah, I think that's about it, you guys. I, that, I'm i going to really, really, uh, I can't encourage you enough to just play a lot of board games while you're at PAX. There's Dude, a we're lo- going to play Agricola. I'm oh, going to yeah. get you to play Agricola. I will DM it. It's so good. You're going to cool. love it, Eric. I also need to play Battlestar Galactica. Yeah, I'm bringing that. Yeah. I'm, I'm bringing my own copy of that. I'm not going to bring my Agricola. I'm just going to bring my BSG. Your and BSG. Uh, it's going to be good times. Yeah. I'm so stoked, dude! I'm literally, dude. Like, I'm so stoked. Uh, it's 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 almost too exciting. Like, I Lydia was talking to me about it, and she was like, "I I don't know what this would compare to," and like basically, I feel like a lot of people don't have anything that compares to the way that we experience PAX weekend. Like, I'm. You should say this to Lydia. It's like a stress-free version of your wedding that lasts for three days. <laughs> That's kind of what I like. She's and really only into, like, costs a hundred dollars, right? She's really into like Martha Stewart and stuff. And I was like, it'd be like if Martha Stewart threw a convention and like every great designer was there, and you yeah. were able to do like crafts and baking all day, and you could do and whatever you, were you on wanted. The cutting edge. Right, oh, and it was like baking the, science. right. It's a brand new baking stuff. America's test test kitchen is there doing shit, and like it's awesome. And then you also have the opportunity to like meet Martha Stewart. Oh yeah, not the not just the opportunity, highly likely probability. Yeah, that you like bump into her at least. Yeah, totally. She'll just be doing something else, and you'll say <laughs> hi, and she'll totally want to talk to you. Right, <laughs> and she'll give you some uh, insider tips about her stocks. Right. <laughs> For three days every year. It's awesome. Mm-hmm. So guess what, guys? Christmas is coming. And uh, <laughs> like I said, we're we're uh, we're going to go ahead and uh, put out as much content as we can over the weekend. I don't, I don't like to make a ton of promises uh, because, you know, we get excited and we get overwhelmed. Uh, uh-huh. But we're definitely doing the... the, uh, the and we're there to have fun. And we're there to have fun. You know, we're actually... We don't get media badges. We're there to have fun. We're there to experience it as people... And not as we're not covering the event really, um, but we want to bring you as much fun as we can. Um, so we are going to have our event on Saturday. We're going to have our Hex 19 versus Bald Move trivia challenge brought to you by Pop Quizzical. And on Sunday, as is our PAX tradition and our personal arrogance tradition, we're going to have the personal arrogance exposition experience awards, the Paxies, the third annual Paxies, where we bring you the best, worst, and weirdest from PAX 2012. I love the Paxies. I love the Paxies. It's my favorite episode of the year, every year. Yeah, me too. So we're going to have tons of special guests. and uh, It's going to be a great year. I'm super excited for Hex19 and Bob Ball and yeah. Aaron. I mean, this is like an indie podcast celebration. It really is. It's, uh, it's becoming, it's like overwhelmingly uh, exciting. Yeah, I know. I, de- I just need to forget that it's even going to happen because it's going <laughs> to. 
I'm not going to be able to do anything at work. I know I can't do anything. I'm I'm so unproductive this week, and like I also can't sleep. I like can't get to sleep at night, and I don't know how I'm going to sleep tonight because Aaron's coming in an airplane tomorrow. I know, in a jet plane. He's leaving on a jet plane from Indiana and coming to the best coast. Exactly. Oh my lord. Okay. Well, let's wrap it up. Let's wrap it up. It's time to do some recommendations. Call it cast. Jesse, you want everything this week, so why don't you get, why don't you start it off? Okay, so my first recommendation is the best. I got it as a birthday present, and mm-hmm. um, it's it's animals, little tiny wooden <laughs> animals, for my Agricola board game. Ah. Yeah, my lovely girlfriend bought me the pieces yep. for to replace the just like indiscriminate cubes that represent sheep, cattle, and boar. Now uh-huh. I have cute little wooden boar, sheep, and uh, cattle. Excellent to put to put on the game board, and it really enhances the experience because you have you build like these little pastures and stuff, and uh, you put your actual little cattle in there, and it's great. Cool, man. It's good stuff. Well, my first record is is going to be seasoned patties at Whole Foods. Oh, yeah? Now, I shop at Whole Foods because I benefit from a family member discount. Uh, but they have these hamburger patties that are seasoned, and they're actually very reasonable. Uh, and they're the greatest. They're so delicious. Nice. Like, they have ones with cheese and jalapenos. They have, I had the Kansas City ones. I don't even know what's in those, and they're delicious. <laughs> and uh, I thought it, I thought it was great, so I, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw a shout out to Whole Foods and the seasoned patties and the meat aisle. Go get those. So my recommendation is Double Jack Double IPA by Union Jack Brewery. Uh huh. I have never been an Imperial IPA fan, but I've had a couple of really good ones lately, and I'm coming around on the whole style. Yeah. I I feel like I'm a I'm like a pit bull that was mistreated. <laughs> and like I don't trust the style because right. I had some really bad double IPAs in the past, uh-huh. but I'm slowly coming around to some good owners. Well, that's good, man. I I think that a good double IPA is very reminiscent of an arrogant uh, bastard. I kind of think that arrogant bastard is just kind of like a extreme IPA. Uh, I'm gonna disagree with you highly, but we'll we'll talk about that later. All right. I'm just saying I had an Imperial IPA last week, and it reminded me a lot of Eric and Pastor. And it was a good one. Uh, well, we'll talk about this later. Well, speaking of beer, uh, if you're up here in, in Seattle for PAX, I would recommend if you're going to Safeway or going to a grocery store, just get the Red Hook Variety Pack. Good good call. I, the Red Hook Variety Pack is a great pack. Like, usually in a variety pack, there's one beer that you don't don't really want. Yeah. Like, you know, the Sam Adams Summer. They have the, the Sam Adams with the cranberry. The ch- yeah, the cherry. It tastes like cough syrup. Ugh. It's awful. Ugh. Cherry I pie agree. beer. Like, what the hell is that? Okay. Yeah. The the, the Red Hook, it's, a, it's, a, it's like I said, it's a local beer. It's brewed up in Woodenville. And the variety pack has the Longhammer IPA, the Copper Hook, which is their brown ale. It has the ESB, their extra special bitter, which is their signature brew. And it has their Pilsner, which is also delicious. Very, Just very good selection there. Four solid beers. So if you need a uh, a plethora but you don't have a lot of coin, I would get the Red Hook uh, variety pack. Yeah. Um, and, again, I do want to stress, if any of our listeners are coming to PAX, send us an email. Please we'll meet send up us with an you. email. Please send us that, an email. This is how we met the Bald Move guys and how we met are uh, going to meet Yuri. So send us right. send us an email. And uh, and you can do that by emailing us at personalarrogance at gmail.com. You could send us a tweet at at personal podcast. Uh, you can hit us up on Facebook at the Bald Move Facebook page. Go ahead and access us there. You can go to baldmove.com, leave a comment on this episode. Uh, or you can give us a call. We haven't had any new Bald Move listeners call us yet, but don't worry. We're not going to pick up. It goes right to voicemail. <laughs> we won't talk to you. You, you could just talk directly on the voicemail. 360-362-0024. That's 360-362-0024. Give us a call, leave us a voicemail, and we'll play it on the podcast. It's a really cool deal. Um, and you can always rate and review us on iTunes like Diamond Rattler did. We really appreciate that, as always, because that really helps us out in terms of visibility. And it's a great way that you can do that for free. Um, so if you like the cast, do that or, or tell a friend. We give you a lot of channels, so get in touch with us, especially if you're coming to PAX. Yeah, we'll, we'll we'll see you this weekend for PAX, guys. Uh, please keep 
your eyes peeled and your ears to the ground. And always remember that wherever you go, and whatever you do, please stay, stay arrogant. arrogant.